0: How we doing? Everybody good? Y'all doing all right over there? I'm going pick on you if you turn into the quiet section on me. Okay, you know, you got her to compete with, so yeah, you never know. Uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, you know, uh, this week uh, marked uh, a week. Um, of, of burying somebody that, you know, has lived a life. Billy Graham uh, lived a life uh, that just, uh, I mean, impacted the world for Jesus. I mean, you just think about that. You think about, you know, and, and 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 I don't get into, we don't get into a whole lot of trying to idolize people for obvious reasons. And, and Billy Graham, Lord knows, he would never want us to do that uh, for him either. Um, and, uh, but, uh, I mean, just... What a testimony, and 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 I think even just for me personally, uh, this week, and just thinking about his passing and and seeing his kids talk about him at his funeral and and some of that kind of stuff, and, and 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 what they're talking about is they're talking about Jesus, they're talking about who God is and what He's done, and you know they'd tell some stories about their dad or whatever, but I mean at the end of, of every one, it was about Jesus, and. Um, you know, just thinking about, you know, just a legacy that you might leave behind, um, you know, that, that people would know you as someone who took people to Jesus, you know, and, and that's really what this passage that we're studying about is today, uh, you know, that, that, there, that there are people who are called to take people to Jesus uh, and the truth is is that all of us as believers are called to that. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that, but, uh, uh, man, just, it just really makes you think, like, you know, if you're going to be known for something in life, what are we going to be known for? Are we going to be known for our opinions? Or are we going to be known for uh, what we did for others? Uh, like, we see Christ do that in Scripture, and we're going to see that here again in just a minute. Uh, but that, we, that those people do that, Jesus did those things to lead people to Him, you know, uh, and and it just what a what a challenging challenging thing for us today. So um, anyway, uh, pretty pretty awesome, pretty awesome stuff. And uh, the guy who wrote the book on heaven gets to gets to go. Uh, so pretty crazy. Uh, if you got a Bible, uh, go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible with you, our ushers have them. They'll be glad to bring you one. You can throw your hand up, let them bring you one. We're going to the book of Mark today as we are walking through the book of Mark together. Um, and uh, have uh, been enjoying this already uh, and uh, I, today no different. Uh, this passage that we're studying today in the book of Mark is, is a passage that, uh, you know, I, I try not to like hold certain patches, passages higher than others or whatever, but just I, I, I cannot get away from the fact that when I was young, God spoke to my heart through this passage um, and I could tell you where I was uh, and I could tell you who was speaking and I can't do that. To be honest with you, I mean, as a preacher, you would think that like I could name like all of these great messages I've heard over time, and there's a handful. There's a handful. I mean, literally, like probably could count on uh, two hands, and it would really take me like thinking about which ones they were. Uh, but when I was when I was a teenager, uh, I heard a guy named Rock Collins uh, speak, and he was speaking uh, at, uh, what our students go to a lot of times in, uh, at like New Year's Eve, whatever, the winter extreme thing. Uh, you know, so this is a testimony to all you that give your life to the winter extreme on New Year's to take teenagers, uh, to, to do that. And that it's not just samurai swords from China Bazaar, but that there's more, more to it than that. But it can be that too, praise the Lord. Uh, and, uh, but uh but no that uh, you know that it you know, I just remember I remember this guy and and he was talking about this passage of scripture and and so whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not or whatever, there's there's a little bit of rock Collins in, in any time I share this passage because it just, I don't know, God just, just impressed it upon my heart, certain, certain parts of it. And, then, and it's funny how like in time as a pastor now that I have preached through this passage many times and over time uh, I have seen where God has changed even how I look at the passage in some ways too, which has been pretty awesome. And, and even today, even today I'm talking about something in this passage I've never talked about before in this passage, and I've never heard anybody else talk about it before in this passage. Uh, but it's just, boom, it's right there. Uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll be looking at this today uh, and excited excited to get to do so. Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2. Uh, so, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, let's read it. Here it goes. It says, and when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Okay, so this is, this is Jesus. Jesus has been out, and uh, if you remember kind of where we left off, Jesus has been out doing ministry. And when I say ministry, he's been meeting the needs of people. And as he's been meeting the needs of people, he's been doing so so that he can tell them about the gospel. He's not just meeting the needs of people because he wants to get everybody well. Now, I would love to get everybody well and just get past this season of funk that so many people have struggled with, with sickness and stuff. But life doesn't work out that way. And uh, and Jesus wasn't just going around healing people so he could feel better about himself or whatever. And we talked about this over the last few weeks. He was doing ministry. And a lot of times, ministry is this. Ministry is meeting the needs of people so that... You can share Jesus with them. He was meeting the needs of people so that they would know who he was. And we see that blatantly in this passage today. Um, so he's, been, he's kind of been doing the tour, you know, going around, teaching, you know, teaching the gospel, people's lives being changed, doing some healing here and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then he is coming home. We don't, we, don't hear about, we don't hear about this. I've never heard anybody talk about this, by the way. I've never heard anybody one time talk about the fact that Jesus goes to his home and then all of this stuff happens at his home. In fact, I remember hearing this passage time and time again growing up, and, and I, I never heard one time anybody talk about the fact that this was at Jesus' house that this happens. But he's, he's gone home. He's gone home, he's now living in Capernaum, which was like close to Nazareth, like I think it's like a little bit northwest or something, but like really close, like Jolton to Nashville kind of close or whatever, which, by the way, anybody in here grow up in Jolton, just to raise the hands, God bless you, okay? And so, and, and, and I, I too grew up in Jolton, let, let me just say, like the crazy, craziest thing, we got high fives for growing up in Jolton back here in the back, because that's, that's how OG Jolton rolls, Okay. <laughs> And so, but now it's the craziest thing, like when you grew up in Jolton, and then like you talk to somebody in Nashville, you'd be in town doing something or whatever, and they'd be like, where are you from? I live in Jolton. They'd be like, where's that at? Like, it's right here. It's in the same county. Like crazy people. How do you not know? They talk about it on the news at least once a year, uh, you know, so... But, uh, yeah, so, but Jolton's, kind of, you know, kind of, kind of the same, kind of the same idea. Capernaum's close to Nazareth, so still Jesus of Nazareth. He'd come from Nazareth, moved to Capernaum. I don't know, he found a, a nice lot or something there, but whatever. You know, so he, he goes, and, and, and we're assuming, I probably am assuming that he's probably, he probably moved there with his family. His family decided to make this move or whatever, uh, because I don't think he's really super interested in investing in real estate. And so he goes to Capernaum. And it was reported that he was at home, it says in verse 1. And then in verse 2 it says, And many were gathered together so that there were no more, There was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So here he has gone home. I'm assuming maybe to rest. Maybe he wasn't. He's gone home. And here are the people. The people are following him. I mean people are finding out, people are hearing about it. And, and you can just imagine, like, imagine the rumors they're just like going crazy because of people that have been healed of diseases that you can't be healed from, and just all kinds of craziness, okay? And then here's Jesus and, and these people are they're finding him. They're like, Where's where's where where's he going? I already went home. Where's he live at? We're going there right now. And so like all these people are flocking now to his house, okay, his house where some crazy stuff is about to go down. And so he's teaching them. They've come, and so he's teaching. And it goes on, it says in verse 3, And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And they could not get get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on, the para- on which the paralytic lay. Okay, so we've got big crowd at Jesus' house. House party at Jesus' house. Remember that movie House Party with Kid and Play? I love the scene where he's dancing with the vacuum cleaner. I always wanted to try it. I could never do it, though. I'd trip and fall. It's Pop Reference Day here at 24, by the way. We're, we're nowhere even near the end. I'm tell you, like, the first service was ridiculous. So, all these people have come to Jesus' house, and all these people are there, and they're listening to him and all this, but then here's these four guys who are carrying a guy who is paralyzed. He cannot walk. He can't, he can't help himself. And these four guys are carrying him. Now, in the first service... I picked on Troy. We'll pick Steve since he's laughing a lot today. Uh, but, um, you know, I want you just to kind of think for just a second. I mean, we read something like that, but we're real good at not really thinking about that and thinking that through. Like, what that really look like? What did it really look like for four men to carry another grown man to see Jesus? So let's just say we've got Steve here, and, and he can't walk. And we're going to try to take him to Jesus. Now, let me just remind us, we couldn't call an Uber, okay? There, there there was none of that, okay? And it says they carried him. They carried this man who needed to get to Jesus. And they, and, and so four men, and I, I really, I really, I stayed up last night really thinking about, like, what would it look like if, like, I could just get, like, four volunteers and one person to volunteer to be carried and, like, see four of our grown men right here in this room this morning try to carry Steve across the room, you know? And, I mean, you just think about that. I mean, you just think, like, how ridiculously, not so easy would that be? Okay? And, and let's grant You know, they probably got a cot or something going on. I don't know. Made some stuff out of something and to help them. But, I mean, still, we're, we're not talking about carrying the man across the room. We're talking about carrying him to Jesus' house. And I'm going to guess the guy probably didn't live right across the street either. Let's say they carried him across town. Let's say they carried him from another town. We don't really know. We just know that they were willing to carry him. And that's, and Mark, being to the point Mark that he is, that's what he wants us to know. is that these four guys carried this man who could not carry himself. Which is a great statement in and of itself. Because that's what God does for us. Verse 4, it says this. It says, "...and when they could not get nearer because of the crowd..." They removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So, they've carried this guy to Jesus' house, and now they are going on Jesus' roof, and they are cutting or digging a hole in his roof. Jesus' roof. They're jacking up Jesus's roof. I want you to get the whole picture, of that. and and so so here here they've done this. And, and they, they get up there, and it's not as crazy to think that they might get up on the roof. The way the houses were made at that time, and a lot of times that was made out of like clay and dirt and all this kind of stuff where literally they might have actually dug or it might have been uh, plates of, of this type of stuff like laid over each other and that kind of thing where they could literally just move some of it or whatever. But either way, they're jacking up Jesus' roof, and they start dropping him through. And in verse 5 it says, and, when, and, and this is a huge statement, verse 5, And when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven when he saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven let's talk about forgiveness for a minute let's talk about forgiveness for a minute forgiveness is is one of the most powerful things in the world think about it for just a minute now, granted, I mean, like, forgiveness of our sin, because of what God has done in sending Jesus to die in our place, like, th- that alone, that alone is like the, we understand, if you're a believer, you understand, like, that's the number one biggest life-changing thing that has happened for us, period, okay? So we, we, we've got that to go with. But let's just, let's just even talk about, like, just random forgiveness in the world. You know, So for us to forgive somebody else, what's that even look like? I mean, our forgiveness, if we really forgive somebody, the reason that we're usually forgiving them is because of the forgiveness in which we have received first. So really the forgiveness that we offer is only the forgiveness that we have received. I say only, like it's not a big deal, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, like we get it because we've been given it. And the truth is, we still struggle to give it because we're sinners. But when we do, it has an impact on people's lives. It has a power to it. And and why is that? Generally because it's not deserved. You know, I mean, if we were going to go at this from the human standpoint, the sinner standpoint, and we said somebody did us wrong, well, then we're like, kick them to the curb, we're done with that. But when we take this from the gospel standpoint, we have an understanding that forgiveness is something that we're called to and, and we've also received it. And so we're called to give it. And when we give that forgiveness, that person feels like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this for me. It's, 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 it's one of the best gifts that we can ever get. It has power behind it the reason it has power behind it is because we're mimicking something and we're giving something that we only have because of the work of Jesus and so the work of God through his love flows through us and impacts that other person's life we've also maybe been on the receiving end of forgiveness uh, maybe from somebody else or whatever at some point in time you know where we did them wrong and then at some point they looked at us and said you know um, I want to, you know I want to forgive you, or maybe you maybe you went to them and said, "Would you forgive me?" Those are hard words. Those are hard conversations to have, but man, they are so worth it. They are so worth it because it's the gospel being lived out. You know, Jesus, verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. When he saw their faith, it doesn't say, I want you to pay attention to that. It doesn't say when Jesus saw the paralytic's faith, it doesn't say that, you know, they dropped this guy through the roof, you know, cut the hole, drop him down, put him right in front of Jesus because everybody's in the way. It does not say that because of the super amazing faith the paralytic had that Jesus looked at him and said you're my guy your sins are forgiven it says that he saw their faith they came together they believed and knew in their hearts that Jesus was who he said he was they had heard they had heard maybe they had seen somebody that he had healed Maybe they, you know, they've been, they, they knew, they knew, they knew that he could do it. They knew he was the one. And we know that because we see Jesus see their faith. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the crazy part about that, is, is that how do you see faith, right? But we're talking about Jesus, and he sees our hearts, he sees our hearts when we don't even see our hearts. That's amazing to me. And Jesus sees their hearts and he sees five guys I'm not going to talk about burgers and fries. He sees five guys who are believing and trusting in him in this moment to completely change this man's life and healing. The odd thing is, is we've got a paralytic, and he's come with these guys. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, I see your faith, you're healed. We don't see that. What we see him do is we see him forgive his sins. Now, according to all of Scripture, the only person that can forgive sins is God. So this is about to ruffle some feathers. Check out verse 6. Verse 6, we've got those guys. It says this, "...now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts..." Questioning out loud? No. Questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Now this is in their hearts, right? "...who can forgive sins but God alone?" And immediately Jesus, because he's Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus question within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? You want to talk about the ultimate call out right there. Like, I mean, you know, it's it's just it's, you know, these people, I mean, they're sitting there thinking it. They're not, doesn't say they're saying it out loud, they're thinking it. And Jesus, what again, he's Jesus, so he sees what? Our hearts, And he sees their hearts. And just like he saw the hearts of those five guys, he sees the hearts of these guys who have come to his house while people are cutting holes in the roof and everything else. And he says, Why do you question these things in your hearts? And then verse 9. Verse 9. Man, he kicks the door wide open. He says, why? I'm sorry. He says, which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? You see, what Jesus is saying there is he's saying, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking these are empty words. You're thinking I'm some soothsayer. You're you're thinking that... You're thinking that I'm just some guy that's come to town to try to get your money. And he says to them, What do you think would be easier for me to say? Do you think it would be easier for me to say, Your sins are forgiven, which can you really see that? Or would it be easier for me to say, Pick up your mat and go home? And so. He says to the guy, verse 10, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were amazed and glorified God saying, We never saw anything like this. you see (laughs) jesus is playing with words truthfully it'd be easier to heal somebody than it would be to forgive their sins but what jesus is doing is he's taking an opportunity to minister to the need of someone the need of someone and by taking advantage of the fact that he is god and has the ability to heal someone takes that opportunity to heal this man in front of these people who are doubting that he is the one to forgive to show them not just can I heal somebody but I am here to forgive the sins of the world it's a big day at Jesus's house it's a big day beginning of his ministry he's laying the groundwork he's laying the groundwork for who people would know him to be which was good to his word which is an important thing I think for us I think one of the things that I think is good for us to be reminded of is that ministry is a lot of times about meeting needs we do things like serve Sunday which by the way is next week serve Sunday why do we do serve Sunday Why do we take a Sunday every once in a while and take the chance that people aren't going to show up and not give an offering that the church might go under? It's because we decided several years ago that we felt led to put our money where our mouth was and say that if serving our community was important, that we would do it. And we would do it when we could gather the most people to have the greatest impact. So the purpose of serving others, is no different than Jesus serving the paralytic. It's so that those people could see Christ working in us. And it's so that they might be susceptible to hearing the gospel. Hearing the gospel, having their lives changed. God working in them through going and serving them where they are with the needs that they have. You you know what it's like to have somebody to do something for you that you didn't ask for but you really needed? It's a big deal. It's a big deal and it has a great impact and when that happens to us you and I could both agree that in those moments in time we would listen to that person or whatever it is they have to say. So for us to serve it's not for us to go out and try to make 24 church look good and it's not for us to go out and try to make ourselves feel better about ourselves because we did something good and we want to pat ourselves on the back no we do that so that people would come to Jesus there's three different groups of people in this passage there may be more but I'm going with three Thank you, Rock Collins, and I've changed it quite a bit from when I first heard him say this. So, the first group of people that we see is we see the people that are hanging out. Hanging out at the house. Hanging out for the party. They're there listening to Jesus' teaching. They are the people that are in the way of the paralytic. They are in the way. Now, here's the truth about people that are in the way. The church is full of people sometimes that are in the way. And, and, and a lot of times, they don't even realize they're in the way. They don't, they don't, it's not even on the radar that they might be in the way. And, and, and that can come in different forms and fashions. I mean, you know, us being in the way could be literally that we're, you know, just those people that uh, just go to church to be fed. You know those people like, oh, I'm looking for a church where I can get fed, you know. And so, um, you know, here's the danger behind that. Uh, obviously, we all need the word, and 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 to set under biblical teaching is obviously a biblical thing that we want to do, uh, and we believe in the power of God's teaching and preaching and all that here. Obviously, uh, but if we make our life about getting fed, and we just feed and feed, we just eat and eat. Eventually, what ends up happening is we become just these fat, lazy Christians that sit around, and 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 we may even grow in knowledge of who God is but here's a here's a truth about us and about how God created us and designed his church is is that we've been called to pour ourselves out and if we if we don't pour ourselves out from time to time if we don't serve others pouring our lives out for the sake of others for the sake of the gospel to bring others to Jesus if we don't do that We're guaranteed to do the fat Christian thing. And the fat Christian thing is good for so long and then eventually the fat Christian thing usually ends up in the same place every time, which is this, well, I don't know, I just don't know if I'm really getting fed anymore or not. And what happens is we lose our drive in pursuing Jesus. We've made it about knowledge, we've made it about, you know, feeling good about ourselves or whatever it is, and the truth is is that we're called to give our lives for the sake of the gospel. That's what it's about. That's what it's for. So you have people that get in the way. Sometimes people get in the way of other people getting to Jesus because maybe people know us as Christians, but we're no different than anybody else. We go to church on Sunday, live hell like hell on Monday, or whatever it is. You know, I, you know, pick your flavor. But at the end of the day, we've been called to be different than the rest of culture. We've been called to stand out like aliens, it talks about in Scripture. Can you believe that? That people would see us as different. Not snobby, not snooty, not judgmental. Different. Loving. Caring. Forgiving. And it's hard for us sometimes because those of us in... That are a part of a body of believers, sometimes we feel like, well, those people that are in the way, they're just they're just always there and they're in the way, and we can't seem to get them to move, can't get them to do anything, and all that kind of stuff. And the truth is, is we just got to hope that God will deal with their hearts. We can't we can't force them, we can't make them, we can encourage them, we can invite them to come with us. There's a little discipleship. Matthew 16, 18 says this. It says, and oddly enough, it's uh, him talking to Peter. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, God's got a plan for his church. He's got a plan for his church that he wants to use his church to take the gospel to the world. I'm going to say it again. Take the gospel to the world. So the first group of people we got is the people that are in the way. The second group of people are the people that we see called as the scribes. And I think verse 6. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And then Jesus does the call out. The scribes, you know, these people usually show up as doubters, you know. They're doubters. They doubt everything. They, oh, oh we can't do that. We don't have the money for that. Or, uh, you know, God, God, will never, God will never do something like that here. Or God doesn't have any interest in using me in that way. Or uh, Even God can't use that. Or they'll get real extreme, and hope the re- I hope the red flags go off when, when we hear something like this. Uh, but they say things like, I don't care what the Bible says. They, they, preface, they, preface, they preface what they're about to say their opinion with, I don't care what the Bible says. Or, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to disagree with it right now. You know, it's basically what they're about to say. And man, that's the danger zone. And then here's, and here's one that I've heard people say time and time again, and this is just good old southern culture for you right here. Things like this. It says, that's just who I am. Ain't nothing going to change me. I'm just this way. Ain't nothing going to change about it. Can't be changed. Just, just the way I am. Just the way I was brought up. With that statement, we are saying, I don't believe that God can change my heart and life. That's not true. God is in the changing heart and life business. That's what he does. That's what he does. And that's what he wants to do for every single one of us today. He wants to change our hearts. He wants to change our lives. He wants to use us as instruments of people who bring people to him. That is the purpose of of our life but I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you I'm, I'm giving you a warning. there are those people that will always oppose us they are the doubters now I'll say this to go along with that we encourage people who are struggling with their faith to be here and we want you to be here. If you are doubting your faith, if you're doubting God, we want you to be here. We want you to see we'd love to spend time talking with you, praying with you, helping you with that in any way, shape, or form that you can, that we can. Uh, That's part of it. Part of part of the journey sometimes is the doubting. But let me encourage us as believers, us as believers, those who have been saved, those who've been trusted uh, their life that God has saved them through the blood of Jesus and has forgiven them, we are not to be doubters. We are to be believers. James 1.6 says this. It says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Don't be one of those people that's just full of a bunch of jibba-jabba. Remember Mr. T? There was no, no jibba-jabba. I mean, that's what these guys were. I mean, these guys that were sitting in Jesus' house, they weren't even saying it out loud, which is important for us because I think sometimes we hide behind that. I think sometimes we as believers, we hide behind that and we go, well, I'm not saying it out loud Oh, it doesn't matter if it's in your heart? Does it matter if it's in your heart? Of course it matters. That's exactly what matters. And that's why we so desperately need Jesus. Because He sees our hearts even when we fake it for everybody else. Thank God that He sees our hearts. Then we've got the third group of people. We've got the people just in the way, the standers and the sitters. We've got the doubters. They're just jibba-jabba, you know. And then we got the third group. You know who they are? The third group of people are the four guys who carried their friend to Jesus. Four guys who carried their friend to Jesus. That's who we want to be. That's who we want to be. They are the champions of our faith. They are the ones that are fighting for others to know the gospel. They're the ones that are making time in their day to make sure that people are cared for. They're the ones that are making sure that they're not too busy to spend time having the hard conversations, taking time out of their life. I'm sure they had something else they could be doing other than carrying this dude and then cutting a hole in a roof and doing all this mess just to go see a guy but we know why they did it. we know why they did it because we see Jesus see it and it's because they had faith they had faith and based upon their faith, their faith, not just the paralytics, their faith, he looks at the paralytic and he says, your sins are forgiven. And of course, this freaks out the scribes, you know, oh jibba-jabba boys. You know, they're like, oh, well, he can't say that, He's, only God can do that. Jesus knew this was all going to happen. It's all part of the plan. those four guys are just like the ones who brought me and who brought you to Jesus think about it along the way there were people that took the time to take up the corner of the mat or the platform or just grab the leg or the arm or whatever it is to help get us to Jesus Along the way, there were people that sacrificed for us to know the gospel. So the question becomes for us today, who, who are we carrying to Jesus? Who is it? Who are the people in our lives? Some of them are probably people we can't stand. Some of them, some of them were probably like, God, I don't know why you put that person in my life. Why in the world did you put that person in my life? Be careful how you ask that question. He'll show you. You see, those guys, they're the disciple makers. Jesus spends his whole ministry talking to us about how we're called to make disciples. And at the end of the day, you know what that looks like? It looks like this hey, come with me to Jesus. Come with me to Jesus. That's making disciples. Put the books away, except the Bible, put the books away and bring people with you to Jesus. That's making disciples. They are men who care about the souls of, of the people that God put in their lives that's who they are that's who we're called to be got this passage I want to share with you out of Jude we'll talk about Jude enough I don't think read through it here this week and man just incredible stuff like it's like blowing up like at about verse 3 we're gonna go to verse 22 let me read this There's only one chapter in Jude by the way Jude 22 says this It says, and have mercy on those who doubt, which is a great word for us since we were just talking about that one of the people here in the room are people that doubt. And that's a great thing for us to be reminded of that we need to be patient and we need to have mercy with those people who doubt what God does. And instead of feeling like we need to go defend God and all this, guess what? He can defend himself, okay? We can love them and care for them and hopefully bring them along for the ride, Okay? And as God reveals himself and does things in people's lives, they'll see. They'll see. We don't don't have to have all the answers for them. And have mercy on those who doubt. Verse 23 Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained. By the flesh. Let's talk about this. Verse twenty-three. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. You know, here's here's what I think happens to us in life. We have we have these moments, you know, of like crazy drama, you know, whatever happens. I've seen some of that even this week. Some, a lot of it's just silly. Um, but man, people get wound up. And in in those moments, for a lot of us, we have been guilty in the past. Of, of saying well you know that person over there they're, i mean they're crazy I, I can't do anything with them i'm leaving them alone i'm cutting them out of my life you know or you know that person over there they they're, they're so deep into that sin there's nothing anybody's going to do for them or they've got that addiction or whatever it is you know there, there's no there's no way there's no way that i could i could impact them i could help them i could do i don't even know i don't even know what i would do for them this passage is a reminder for us there's nowhere in Scripture that calls us to completely leave people behind we have passages like this that say save others by snatching them out of the fire this is this is physical work people physical work takes time takes takes hours of our days, of our weeks, of our months, of our years that we would pour into the lives of other people that God has placed in our life and we know that they're there for a reason, that we would care for them, that we would love them, that we would be willing to go after them and snatch them out of the fire. You're like, well, Chris, that's probably just talking about hell. I think that's talking about both. I think it's talking about that we've got to be physically willing to do the work that God has called us to, to bring those people back to Jesus or maybe to Him for the first time. Because it goes on further there and says, this is why I know that it's partly about the work on our part, is to others show mercy with fear. Now, mercy with fear is like, what? Chris, is it it talking about that we're supposed to be afraid? Of the situation, what's it talking about? Here, here it is: hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Hating the garment stained by the flesh is talking about the sin of this world, so that we would go and show them mercy, but that we would do so with a healthy fear of understanding that the sin that that person might be in is something that might encapsulate us, and we need to be careful about it. I saw, you guys have probably seen this. I didn't bring this up in the first service. I saw this video about. Uh, Scott calls himself a pastor. You won't hear me say that very often, but I'll say it in this context. Some video about these, these folks who are into the swinging lifestyle to reach people for Jesus. That's what this is talking about. That's what this is talking about. We... We, we, don't, we don't fall into sin to reach them. We don't have to. We don't have to. Because here's the truth of it. God's the one that's really going to save them and snatch them out of the fire. We are messengers of the gospel. We're just people that show up and care for them. And love them. And show them mercy with the healthy fear. That they would see that somebody cares. That they would see that God is real. God is calling us as his people to go and get the people and bring them to him. That's a whole lot different than like, hey, let's, let's have a church and do a, let's do a great Sunday morning thing and let's just hope that the people come. No, that's why we do Serve Sunday. That's why we're called to live out Serve Sunday every day calling of our life is to pour our lives into the lives of others that we would minister to their needs just like Jesus did and through those acts of kindness that they would receive and hear the gospel of Jesus that they might be changed he's the one that does the saving he's the one that does the snatching all we've got to do is be faithful with the following who are you carrying? Who are you carrying? Who am I carrying to see Jesus? We don't want to be one of those people that gets in the way. We don't want to be one of those people sitting in the way, standing in the way and see a lot of people in the church that don't even realize that they're in the way sometimes. And so maybe today is just a moment where we just, you just get with the Lord and just say, God, am I in the way or am I helping people come to you? Show me, Lord, how I can be. Or, or am I a doubter? Am I a doubter right now? Am I, am I struggling with my faith? Well, that's, that's a whole other thing. And, and then let's work with that. Let's work on that. Let's talk about that. Let's pray about that. But for us as believers, we shouldn't be doubters. We should be believers. Let's trust in what God's Word says. Let's believe in it in such a way that it calls us to action and that we're willing to go. Uh, the way I see it, Serve Sunday that ought to, that, serve Sunday ought to be like batting practice for the rest of the week. For the rest of life. That our lives would be about giving ourselves to others for the sake of the gospel. That's how we carry others to Him. Now you may be here today and you may say, Chris, I'm here today, I'm not even Christian. I need somebody to carry me to Jesus. Well, I'm going to tell you this. If you're serious about it, and you really feel that way, and you really want somebody to carry you to Jesus, I'm going to be right here in about five minutes. I'll be here as long as I need to at the end of the day. Our email addresses are on the thing. I've, I would encourage you, don't put it off. If God's speaking in your heart today, for you to become a child of God, let me just tell you what, He loves you, and He sent His Son to die for you to take the place of your sins on the cross that in His death we have life. And He wants to save you today. Don't walk out of here today without knowing that you know Jesus as your Savior. May we be a people, may we be a church who carry others to the Savior, the one and only, the Son of God. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. God, help us, help us, to see what it looks like to get out of the way and be people who are instruments being used by you to bring others to you for their sake, for their salvation. God, I pray for anybody that's listening that has never trusted in you, that's never believed in you. God, I pray that you would change their hearts today and you would save them. God, help us to see the power of your forgiveness And just how amazing it is, God. We don't deserve it, but you give it as a gift. And we can't earn it, we can only receive it. God, help us. Help us to be reminded of that as we give out forgiveness. God, help us to do that today. Help us to be faithful in that today. Lord, lead us in our lives. May it all be for your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen.